Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. From uh, St. John's Gospel and a couple other places this morning, most of these verses will be on the screen, and you can either follow along on your Bible, on your technology, or on your screen. See, here's the great thing about phones. Uh, we got, uh, I almost called you John the Baptist in public. We, we got John Harris back there looking at the Bible on his phone. Here's the cool thing about that, brother. Kids can pull out their phones and act like they're doing what you're doing. And, and you know, they're, 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 you know, watching TikTok and YouTube uh, and, and, and playing video games. Um, don't get distracted by your technology if you're using that as your Bible this morning. That's fine. But try to do what I ask you to do all the time. Try to focus. Try to be intent today on focusing on what God has to say to you. Not to somebody who, who, not to somebody else, but to you. We believe God is real and his book is alive. So let's read the word of the Lord together. In John chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible says, The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord, hail to the king of Israel. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled Abundant Life 2.0. Look at somebody and say 2.0. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit, God. And I pray now by your spirit that you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you. God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear your word this morning ask you to do your work your way. God, I pray that you would speak to us, teach us, guide us from your word, by your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Abundant Life 2.0. And I want you to file that away for about the next 10 minutes uh, because I'm going to talk before we dive into Abundant Life 2.0. I was sharing with the elders and the deacons. We all gathered together in my office uh, on Sunday mornings. We pray together. And we get caught up with each other uh, to, to make sure everybody's on one accord. And I was sharing with them uh, about my wrestling event with the Lord. Now, I've been in Christ too long to still be wrestling with God. But how many of y'all know uh, none of us are perfect? Amen. And if you've been around, uh, and I asked them, I, I was saying the same thing to them this morning. And some of them that have been around for a while, they were able to uh, complete my statement for me. If you've been around this church for some years, you have heard every year. I've said it every year uh, for at least 15 years. Because about 15 years ago, I realized, we were about five years in as a church then, um, and I realized this is just my favorite part of the Bible to preach, Palm Sunday message. I love preaching Palm Sunday even more than Easter. I love preaching Palm Sunday more than Christmas. This is my favorite passage of Scripture to teach. And I say that every year on Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter. And if you were not raised up in a liturgical church, 
then you probably didn't get taught a lot about the week of the Passion or Holy Week. And you probably didn't spend a lot of time learning and memorizing what went on during Holy Week. So I printed this out for you. I'm not going to hand it out to you now because some of you read and draw on it through the whole message. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And everybody doesn't have to get one. I've got enough for everybody. But this is the seven days of the week of the Passion. And it tells you and has hundreds of Bible verses that give you a year's worth of study or as much study as you want to do about the specific events. So we're entering now a very high season for high liturgy churches, churches like the Roman Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, the, the Episcopalian Church, churches that um, change colors on their stage based on what season of the, the year it is in regard to holy days. But let me give you a quick rundown of the last week of the Lord's life, which we uh, people have called for uh, centuries Holy Week. Palm Sunday, we're talking about now, is when Christ enters in to Jerusalem. He's coming in to finish up. And it's called his triumphant entry because he operates from a different paradigm moving in from this day to the end of his week. Monday, the big event on Monday was the second cleansing of the temple. The big event on Tuesday was the great the giving of the great commandment, the widow's might, the parable of the ten virgins. The big event on Wednesday is un, so undetermined that liturgical churches call Wednesday of Passion Week um, Silent Wednesday. And it says here on Wednesday, much was done for sure, though not recorded. Not a lot of teaching in the Gospels about what happened on Silent Wednesday. Then we come to my favorite title of one of the days of the week, Maundy Thursday. And if you didn't grow up Catholic, you don't know anything about Maundy Thursday, um, unless you just like to read uh, Monday comes from a Latin word, mandate, mandatum, and it's when Jesus told him, I've got a new commandment for you. You've got to love each other like I've loved you, and foot washing is big on Monday, Thursday in liturgical churches, but also on that day was the Last Supper. Uh, Peter's fall was foretold. The last time Jesus taught in the upper room, he taught about the coming of the Comforter, the vine and the branches. He taught about, uh, he prayed for them in John 17. And the Garden of Gethsemane all happened on Monday, Thursday. Then Good Friday, we know, is, was not good for Jesus, but is good for mankind. Uh, but a lot of things happened on that Friday. Uh, he was betrayed early that morning. He went before Ananias and Sapphira. Just a whole truckload list of things that happened on Good Friday. And then uh, we've got Resurrection Sunday on there. But those will be available for you to pick up after the service. You say, what's the point in it, Pastor? I'm, we're not Catholic. Praise the Lord. Uh, but we are uh, Christians, and we ought to know about the life of Christ. And this is the biggest week in the life of Christ. We've got, this is the culmination of Lent, a 40-day season where high liturgy, liturgy churches, this is hilarious. I was at a baseball game one time, and I heard the people sitting in front of me. They said, Oh, I, I got to watch this ball game. And, and the lady sitting next to her said, why, two ladies? She said, well, you know about my potty mouth, but I've given up cussing for Lent. 
And being, you know, a, 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 a Bible teacher, I wanted to lean down and tell her, ma'am, you can't give up foul language for Lent. You ought to give up foul language forever. That's like giving up robbing banks for Lent. <laughs> you, you don't get, you, you, that's, not, that's not what, you, that's not what it, it is about, but this is a big week for churches all around the country. We, to maybe somewhat to our detriment of learning, have not made a big a deal out of Easter as other denominations, because we're not a denomination, uh, we're just Christian. Uh, we, we haven't made a big deal out of it. We don't do helicopter Easter egg drops. We don't have the Easter bunny here taking pictures and giving away free 8 by 10s trying to sell you a package of pictures. Uh, because I'm convinced, and I teach every Easter, that every day for the Christian ought to be about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you only celebrate the resurrection of the Lord on Easter, you're missing out on 364 other days uh, that you ought to be celebrating resurrection. But having said that, saying this is my favorite sermon of the year, every year, I've got my favorite outline and passage uh, that I love to share with you every year, but I don't really sleep that much on Saturday night between uh, the time I lay down and get up to uh, finish praying before I come into work. And I didn't sleep. Uh, I think I slept for an hour and a half last night and got up with the Lord just burdening me uh, to share something different, to focus on something different. I'm still going to talk a little bit about Palm Sunday, but to, to share something in a different direction. Now, when I said that, uh, my sister, who's, who's always an encourager for me, she said, well, that, that's awesome. I said, no, I'm mad about it. I said, I've been, you know, I just, I, I want, well, I, I want to teach what I want to teach, but I believe God. And she, she said, well, that's how you know it's God. And I said, well, maybe not. It might be gas or lack of sleep. Uh, could, could be, you know, too much spicy in my food. Everything that sounds unique isn't always God, but I'm convinced it's God today. So I want you to hold on and get ready because God has got something for you. Every time we come, we could say no one's here by accident. Every time we come, we could say that God designed you to be here today. But there is something that God's going to say to you today that's going to pin your hair back. Um, and I want you to be willing to receive it. Let me read some more verses out of that passage. We'll, we'll start back with verse 12. Hear what God said in John 12, 12. The next day. The news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. Okay, so they take these palm branches, and this is where we get the word Palm Sunday. Now, if you study palm branches, you're going to get a lot of different theologians telling you a lot of different things. Palm branches were on the coin, so some people say it represented their money, their 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 commitment to their political party. Uh, there's a lot of different teaching to be done on that, but I want to move through this quickly. They shouted, praise God, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Now, here Jesus has been operating for a little over three years, and he's been doing miracles, and he's been uh, feeding thousands of people, but every time the crowd would get big, he would say something like, if you start following me and you look back, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And people will be like, hmm, that's a little hard standard. We're going to go to the church up the street. 
uh, and, and then the crowds would swell back up, and then he'd say something like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And they'd be like, this dude is just too deep. And they would go to the church down the street. Well, now, and he would tell people all the time. He'd heal people and say, don't tell anybody about it. He was always flying under the radar. Palm Sunday is a coronation for him. Palm Sunday is his moment of triumph. Palm Sunday is a switch in theological time from that time where he was not doing anything that lifted him up and telling everybody to keep the noise down. But here they were shouting, praise God, uh, hail to the king of Israel. And, and the big difference is he didn't tell them to stop. And if I was preaching this, I'd drag the whole point out to, to remind you, we're not living before Palm Sunday where he told people that he blessed, where he told people that he healed, where he told people that he saved, where he told people that he loved on, where he told them, see that you tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices Moses said to offer. From this moment on, he expects everybody that he's done anything for to open up their mouth everywhere they go and say, Jesus is the king. Jesus has done great things. We ought to have a he hath done great things for us mindset. Now, I'm not going to get mad at you for not standing on your feet screaming, clapping right now because I didn't spend 20 minutes on a preach-up to get you there. But if you are not one of those people that opens your mouth to declare how great he is, you're living a pre-Palm Sunday existence, and we are not pre-Palm Sunday Christians. Can you agree with that? So it's a switch. Then in verse 14, the, the Bible says Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, fulfilling the prophecy this prophecy is out of Zechariah 9 um, that said, Don't be afraid, people of Israel. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. In Matthew 21, 8, it picks up the story, and it says, Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus. They're laying down palm branches. People that have coats are laying down coats. <laughs> we don't do that in America. If you watch enough old TV, uh, now, I went to kindergarten, first and second grade in England, so that means Dina went through third grade in England. And I don't know if it was just British television, but you would see these, you know, these really uh, English gentlemen take their overcoat off and lay it down across a puddle and let the lady step on the jacket. Anybody ever seen anything? Read it? I mean, ain't nobody in America doing that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just not going to go down like that. But they were, they were doing that. They, the ones that had outer coats, they were laying them down. Uh, they were rolling out the red carpet for Jesus. This was his big moment. This was his moment in the sun. This was, this, this, this was his shining uh, moment to be honored in front of everyone. It said, most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. This is why we call it Palm Sunday. In verse 9, it says, he was in the center of the procession. And the crowds all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. Now, once again, he's not telling them to hush. If you study the Gospels, every time they started talking about who he was, he left and went to a different city. Every time the crowd started getting bigger, he said something to thin it out. Every time they started uh, saying how great he was, he'd tell them, there's not time for that. But I want you to know. 
if you don't hear anything, hear this. It's time for us now to declare the good works of the Lord. Take that with you when you leave this place. Open your mouth for Jesus in your school, in your community, on your job, to your family. We, we got poisoned. I don't know when it came out. I, I, I'm going to say, based on stuff that I've read, it came out in the 60s. Where people started saying, well, you know, there's two things you shouldn't discuss in public. It's not good manners. The two things we should not discuss in public are what? Politics and religion. The fact that so many people know that know, tells you that we've been brainwashed by people that came before us. Now, it is a good thing to not discuss politics or religion. There's not one person in this room that knows for sure who I've ever voted for for president. Because I told you, when President Obama won, President Obama won the, won the presidency of the United States not once but twice. Why did President Obama win? Because God wanted him to. And that just, oh, that just burned up a bunch of white people. That burned up a bunch of redneck racists. That, that just fried the britches off of how could you say that because it's true and pray for him and love him and honor him he's the president of the united states and i i, I gave nothing but love and honor and 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 support and prayer for for president obama and and then when donald trump came along and nobody knows whether or not i voted for president obama if you want to i don't even know if i'd tell you in private because then you go tell people and all the white people be mad at me um See, I might have just said that to throw you off, though. You don't know. Because I, I, it's not about, I've told you for years, it's not about who's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue to me. I don't care which politician they put in the White House. I got a king in heaven. He's seated on the throne, and we don't vote him in and out. So when the next dude came along, uh, 45. When 45 came along, uh, and, and I say that because there's a large percentage Red, yellow, black, and white people who will not say that man's name out of their mouth. Just won't, won't make their mouth to say it. Uh, but when 45 became the president, uh, I told everybody, you know why Donald Trump won, even though you might not have voted for him? Uh, how could you say that about that orange man, that evil man? And we had, a, you know, a bunch of people hating, hating Donald Trump. Uh, I, I never hated Donald Trump. I disagreed with, with things. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't think he should be on Twitter at 4 o'clock in the morning. But, you know, uh, the, I'm just not into politics that way. In my personal life, I have some very strong views politically. Um, but I, I, I can almost give credence to when they say don't discuss politics uh, in large crowds because it's a non-winning situation. Because you're guaranteed to upset half the people in the room. Because in this room right now, among the Christians, now we got Christians and non-Christians in this room. I'm just talking about the Christians. But of the truly born-again Christians in this room, some of them are Republicans. Some of them are Democrats. Some are independents. Some don't vote. And it, it don't matter to me. You do you. I'll do me. Some, some like one president over the other. I don't think that we should divide ourselves based on public politics that don't really have an impact on the church. I wish three people could say amen. 
But when people say you shouldn't discuss religion in public, now they've crossed over into foolishness. Now they've crossed over into just, just bad teaching. We ought to discuss God everywhere we go. They ought to see you and run the other way. I've had so many people get saved and ask me early in their salvation, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with all my friends. I, I, you know, uh, they, 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 how, how am I going to tell my friends I can't? I tell them my testimony. You get saved for real, you won't have to worry about running your friends off. They'll run you off. They, they, go ahead and let them invite you to, to come over and play Tunk bid with spades. Let them invite you to a keg party. Let them invite you to a smoke off. You show up with your Bible singing, There's power in the blood. They, you'd be harsh in their high so bad, they'll tell you, You're not invited back. Are you following me? Man, you ought to be that person that every, Oh, here she comes. Get ready. He's going to say, Jesus, why? And they ought to be putting a clock on you at school. I, I was watching the office. Don't judge me. Anybody ever seen The Office? Uh, so I was watching The Office yesterday. Stop judging me. And uh, Jim Halpern, they, they, the whole office went on a cruise, a daytime cruise uh, as a team building exercise. Um, and uh, Jim gets on the boat and he said he'll get on the front of the ship, put his arms in the air. And, and what, what is it DiCaprio said in Titanic? I'm the king of the world. He'll say, I'm the king of the world within the first hour, or you can have my paycheck. They hadn't even pulled off dock yet. The boat wasn't even moving yet. He, he, uh, uh, Michael gets up there and, and, and does, I'm the king of the world, and he just points to his watch. They ought to be putting a watch on you when you walk up. When you walk into your office, when you walk into your classroom, they ought, they, they ought to be putting a, a watch on you to, uh, saying, wonder how long it'll be before she says something about her God. Oh, Lord, here they come, Christians. They're not saying that enough. You know why they're not saying that enough? Because we have chosen the route of fitting in over speaking up. We have chosen the route of don't broadcast how much you love Jesus, but nobody hesitates to broadcast how much they love their favorite football team. You know everybody you work with. Who, When Florida-Georgia game comes to town, you know what side they're on. And lots of major corporations let you wear your favorite jersey the Friday uh, to work. But they ain't going to let you wear a shirt that says Jesus is the only way to heaven. Everybody else is going to hell. Is that what you believe? Didn't Jesus say no one can come to the Father except by me? If anybody tries any other way, they're a thief and a liar. No, don't, don't think you can't discuss. You might need to keep your politics to yourself, especially y'all arguing online. You, hey, listen, and I've had to share this with some people. I'm going to share this. This is free. This ain't in my notes, but I'm going to try to get back to it so we can get out of here on time. No one, I, I'll give you something no one's ever said. You ready? This is something no one's ever said on social media. Thank you for arguing with me publicly for three hours about my political opinion. You're right. I'm wrong. I changed my mind, and I support your guy now. No. It's not going to happen. You're not going to enter into a contentious debate on a public forum and sway somebody over to what you believe 
about politics. But when it comes to religion, we're not trying to sway anybody over. We just ought to be so excited about what he's doing. It ought to be like a fire burning inside of us that we got to get it out. Some of y'all been there before. Some of you never been there before, but everybody needs to get there. Verse 10. The Bible says the entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Oh, I'm always going to tell you pay attention to the punctuation. When you see a comma pause, when you see a period stop, think about what you just read. Digest it. Get it down on the inside so it can be nourishment for your spirit. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Do you know if God started showing up in your life in a powerful way, Everybody around you would be stirred up. If God started showing up in your school in a powerful way, everybody, the whole city would be noising about it. If God started showing up on your job, people would begin to be abuzz about it. Do you realize in, in North America there hasn't been a chronicled mighty move of God going all the way back to if you want to count Brownsville revival, that's the last time that, that every city in America was talking about something God was doing. But there ought to be people talking about what God is doing all the time. It's where he comes. When he enters, stuff starts shaking. If your life is normal, if you're stuck in a rut, if your life is mundane and boring, you ain't got a whole lot of Jesus around you because Jesus will shake stuff up. There's, it's, it's so wild when people say, well, I just, I want to have all my fun first and then become a Christian. It is not just a great chorus. It is the truth. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because a Holy Ghost party don't stop. That's just the truth. Every other party comes to an end. Every other party has a crash. Hey, go ahead and go to one of your fun parties Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you ever party hard enough, you're going to hate tomorrow. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You're going to hate driving home. Now, I know my sister knows because we grew up in the same house. So I, I, yeah, I can pick on her because we used to talk about it. Now, it, it, she's saved now. She don't do this no more. Remember being so drunk that the bed would just spin like you were at the fair and you'd just be busy. Just, oh, God, if this room don't stop spinning. Anybody ever know anything about that? Oh, y'all are drunks and, and former drunks. So I believe we ought to have an X-rated church, not, not in regard to the movie theater's credentialing of what's rated X, but when I say we ought to be a room full of ex-alcoholics because God saved us and changed us, ex-whoremongers because God saved us and changed us. They ought to be what we were and what we've become. But when Jesus enters the room, excitement happens, and very few Christians are living excited. Very few Christians are living what Jesus talked about in John 10, an abundant life. Living this basic life that there is, trying to get through Monday so you can wake up on Tuesday. Trying to pay this week's bills so you can work to pay next week's bills. That ain't what it's about. The whole city was in an uproar and a stir. And they asked, who is this? Now that is the greatest thing that can happen to someone who wants to share their faith. Because if you got to go and share your faith with your friends and family and co-workers and classmates, you got to try to find the right time to say something. you got to try to use a little bit of tact. 
uh, to share something with them that they can receive in the moment, a word in due season. But here's the greatest, easiest time to share your faith. When somebody comes up to you and says, there's just something different about you. What? I want to know, what is it that keeps you so well balanced? Why did you used to be there? What happened to you? When they mess around and ask that, whoo, the door is open. You can say anything. They ask for it. You can unload the dump truck on them. And these people ask the right, they said, who is this? They saw all this commotion, all this excitement. Reason why people aren't getting saved in this generation, the way they got saved in previous generations, not enough excitement coming out of saved folk. What did I tell y'all before I even started preaching? If you're happy and you know it, what? Tell your face. And people, oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love Y'all got to quit dragging these songs, by the way. Let me just say that publicly. How many people beside me realized they were singing that song about 14 seconds too slow? Y'all working the drummer to death, trying to make her drag back to where y'all are. Uh, and let me say this, too, while I'm on that, because I'm equal opportunity. I'm here to tell the truth to everybody. Um, Victor couldn't be here today, so there was no keyboard player, which, which made the whole setup sound weird. Um, and there's, I, I just believe in my spirit. There's somebody in this room that can play the keyboard or can learn how to play the keyboard, you need to be here at 7 o'clock on Thursday night. I'm going to be here. We're going to work on some timing issues. We, we, we're going to work on some... Listen, some of y'all can sing. And hear, hear me good. Oh, Jesus. This this revelation right here. You ready? It's Holy Ghost revelation. For every person in the room who thought something less than flattering about today's uh, singing... For every person in the room that thought they could sing better than the people that were on stage, anybody believe somebody in this room thought that? <laughs> God is calling you to be here at 7 o'clock on Thursday night because we need to get the best of what we have up here representing God. Now, some of y'all like, y'all don't want me to sing. Listen, I sing loud on purpose. I want bad singers to know God will accept bad singing. I never met anybody that loved my singing more than Gail. You know why she loved my singing? That's all. She never corrected me on my singing, my voice cracking, my country accent banging. She never corrected me on any of that. Why? She loved it when I sang to her. She thought I was Lou Rawls and Marvin Gaye all rolled up into one. Every now and then I, I just morphed into Barry White. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. But it hit her right in her wheelhouse. Why? Because the love she had for me and I was willing to sing to her. And I promise you this, God loves you so much, if you'd be willing to sing to him, he would love to hear it. And some of y'all are like, well, I can't sing. Listen, uh, we, we don't, we don't, we don't want to fill the whole stage up with bad singers. But you can come and you can sit in these chairs and pray on Thursday night. What you got going on? Must-see TV? What, what you going to watch Friends again? You going to rewatch that same episode of The Office that you've seen nine times? Whatever you watch. Thursday night. Here's the reality. I don't think 
I don't think that, uh, well, I think Ken missed some time uh, when, when, when he had COVID. I don't think Jennifer's missed. How, how long have you been playing the drums here? Five, six, seven years? You ain't had a Sunday off in six years? Hadn't had a Sunday. You know why she hadn't had a Sunday off in six years? She's the only person here that can play the Well, let me back up. She's not the only person here that can play the drums. But guess what happens when her children have a special event that, that they, they need taken to a school event? she got to find other people to do it because she's a soldier for Christ. She's going to stand in her spot and be on that, on that drum throne play, playing for the Lord. But here's the reality. We got somebody in this room that can play the drums or that can learn to play the drums. You need to be here on Thursday night too. Y'all ready for me to get back to the message and stop scolding y'all? It's time out for sitting on the sideline. It's time out for God having given you talents and you're not using them. This world is not long for the game. We don't have much time left. And what time we have left, we need to maximize for him. They, they asked the right question. They said, who is this? Not enough excitement. I want our praise and worship services to be exciting. I want them to be off the chain. Uh, and if you're sitting there thinking, well, we, we need different music, come and bring it. We need different singers. Come and be it. Well, we need more people willing to get excited in the pew. Do that. Because we need people asking, what going on at Abundant Life Christian Fellowship? Verse 11, the crowds replied. Not just one or two bold Christians. The crowds replied. It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, I'm going to run through uh, some of the things that I would traditionally teach here, but I'm not, I'm not going to labor on them. Uh, but there's a, it's a four-part message. The first thing uh, I talk about normally that they laid something down. They laid their garments down. That's, that's their pride and possessions. If you really want God to be God in your life, you're going to have to quit uh, concentrating on you and what you have in life. You've got to be willing to die to yourself. The second point is they cut something down. They cut down palm branches. And I usually spend a lot of time talking about how hard work that is. And if you want God to show up in your life, you're going to have to work for it. The Bible says the kingdom advances by force. It takes effort to advance God's kingdom. I'm, I'm so tired of hearing church folk say, well, I just, I don't know when God's going to come through for me. I just don't know when God's going to come through for me. God already came through for you on the cross. He's already done more than you should be willing to ask him to do for you. God's wondering when we're going to come through for him. Some of y'all have been talking about stepping up for the longest time. And some of y'all are new, and you know you should already step up. But it's about to go to a different level. We're going to see this after I get out of this outline. Uh, the third thing they did, and this is powerful, they lifted up. They, they, they laid something down, they cut something down, and they lifted something up. They lifted up their voices in praise. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, the power in praise and the reason why some of you aren't living an abundant life the reason why some of you just going through the motions to go through the motions the reason why some of you wonder why life's got to be the way life got to be because you spend more time saying the negative than the positive and even if you read a self-help book you spend more time quoting cliches than praising the one true living most high god that there is jehovah creator of everything and the father of our lord jesus christ the fourth thing they did they told the world who he was. And we've been talking about that in 2022. The, our, our theme for 2022 is knowing him and making him known. 
knowing him, coming to him and, and, and getting saved, and for people who are saved, knowing him better, but also making him known. They were willing to make him known. Now let's get to Abundant Life 2.0. Skip down from that, Rick, uh, and, and let's get to Abundant Life 2.0. Listen to why we named our church. See, because when, when this church started in June of 2001, a church, a, a church was failing. Their pastor quit because they couldn't pay him. They had 15 adults and a handful of children. And I, I was preaching all over. And they asked me would I come fill in for them while they figured out if they were going to stay, run, close, whatever they were going to do. I, I, I asked my pastor what he thought. He said I should. So um, I left. I was teaching a Sunday school class that had over 150 people in it that I'd split three times into three different classes, and my class was still growing. And I left uh, be, being the uh, intercessory prayer pastor and uh, the, the couples minister uh, and teaching the largest Sunday school class in that church by far to, to come and be the interim pastor for 15 people and some children. And God started moving. God started blessing. And they said, we don't want to shut the church down. I said, well, good, go find you a preacher. And they said, we want you to be the preacher. And I said, no, because I'm not interested in pastoring a traditional Southern Baptist church. Uh, and I'm not mad at the Southern Baptist church. Uh, I made my profession of faith in Christ in the Southern Baptist church. I, I, I learned a lot of foundational truth in a Southern Baptist church. But it, you know, it just wasn't where I was at at that time. I wanted a more dynamic expression of praise and worship. I wanted people that believed uh, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, what, what, what is your vision? And I told them, and uh, they, they had a little pulpit search committee. Three of the five people came from Evangel Temple. And they said, well, that's more of our background anyway. And so I said, the only way I would come to pastor this church is if you guys shut the whole church down, just close this church, and we'll start together a new church. We'll, we'll write a new constitution and bylaws. We, we'll, we'll, we'll name a new church, and we'll start over from day one, not carrying old baggage with us but doing it the way the Bible says we ought to do it. So we had to come up with a name. Now, I've joked before about if I, if I would have known how much it was going to cost to get banners printed that say, Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. I've been like, ah, we got to name this, this thing Jesus Church. <laughs> Fits on a business card better. Uh, but... In, in prayer and in seeking the word of God, uh, we named the church Abundant Life Christian Fellowship based on this verse out of John 10, 10. And here's what it says. Jesus is talking in John 10, 10. He said, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they might may have life and have it in abundance. Different versions say that last part a little differently. Um, some say that you might have life to the full. You might have an abundant more life, a more, uh, a, a, a more God-filled life. But here is the truth about abundant life. Jesus is saying, I don't want them just to have life. I want them to have abundant life. And the word life there in the Greek is two different Greek words. One is bios, where we get our word biology, uh, it's a study of humans, and that just means a basic human existence. 
God wants you to have a basic human existence. Do you know why you're alive on the planet right now? Because God wants you to be. He, he wants you to have a human existence. That's life. That's bios. That's the Greek word bios. That's just average, run-of-the-mill, I'm alive. And that's all you can say about some church folk. They show up. They, they, you know, they occupy their space, uh, but they barely got a heartbeat. The next time, he said, and have an abundant life, that's zoe. That's a God-filled life. That's life on a bigger level. That's a life filled up with the one true God. And, oh, if I had my zoe meter today. Y'all know I got a closet full of ometers. I just hang them on people's neck and register you. If I had my zoe-o-meter, I'd, I'd, I'd just start uh, with Gigi. She wants to be called Gigi. Um, or Joyce. It's hilarious. We have had in our church multiple names because, you know, we're, we're one of the true multiracial churches. Now, when I was growing up uh, in ministry, the church I got ordained at uh, is the Potter's House under Bishop Vaughn McLaughlin. And he used to tell, we traveled all over the country together preaching, and he used to tell people, our church is predominantly black. And I'm thinking, okay, I've been there since it was Word of Faith Church on Seaboard. And some of y'all know this story, but it, it's, it's the gospel truth. He says it's predominantly black. It's multicultural. I'm thinking, I can't call it multicultural, Bishop. Because everybody in the room was black. When we, when we were church with 150 people on Seaboard, there were, there were two white people there, me and White Wendy. And the only reason White Wendy went there because she was dating Black Henry. And as soon as he moved on, she left, and I'm there by myself. One piece of salt on the whole plate. Predom he didn't say predominantly. He says predominantly black. It's predominantly black. Most churches that claim to be multicultural, they're a white church with three black families in it. Or they're, like in Potter's house case, uh, 4,000 black people and six white people in the room. We are a truly multiracial church, and we set out to be that from day one. And we did that in Middleburg. We started in Middleburg, Florida, with the intent to be a uh, multiracial church. And it is, it is not easy to pull that off. But we are a unique church. We've got different people. We've got different people with different ideas of what excitement is. How many, how many of y'all know some people are more excited and some people are more full-flavored? Some people are more reserved and some people are more dramatic. I'm going to keep moving so y'all don't all quit. But if I, if I had my Zoe-o-meter, oh, I was on the white. We had a white dean and a black dean at one time. And they both spelled it the same way, which is not, not very common, D-I-N-A. Well, now, but they had different last names. So it's like, you know, you... you I just say white dean or black dean because I, I don't care. And people are like, they, I see people get tight when I say that. And I used to tell them all the time, uh, trust me, black dean knows she's black. She ain't upset about it at all. She's rejoicing in that. And white dean knows she's white. She's almost as white as me, and you can't get much more pale than that. But now we got white Joyce and black Joyce. But it even goes on a different level. Raise your hand, white Joyce. Raise your hand, black Joyce. 
Not only is it White Joyce and Black Joyce, it's White Joyce Harris and Black Joyce Harris. Now, when you talk about multiracial, we got multiracial uh, done. So anyway, so she says, call me Gigi so you don't have to say White Joyce Harris. Love how people correct the pastor. So if I had my Zoeometer and I was going to hang it on White Joyce Harris's neck, and, and it got Zoe over here, abundant life, God kind of life, just on cloud 3,000 for Jesus all the time, and bios, mundane human existence, just breathing. Everybody's somewhere in between that register. Do you know where God wants you to be if you're saved? Abundant life. I want to get, I, that's why we're starting today. It's weird. I said, God, this timing's not right. I, 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 I want to preach this four-point message, and I want to drag it out and make good points. Uh, it's not, it, we got Easter coming up. It's not right to reset, to restart, to reorganize, to recommission an entire church on Palm Sunday. That's awkward, out of place, and unusual. You said do everything. I'm having this conversation with God. We're supposed to do everything decently and in order. And it is decently in order when God said to do it that way. So today, what we're going to do in a minute, we're going to close this service, and we're going to have a reset. Look at somebody say reset. See, things, things run on the original version for, for a little while. Well, iPhone just wears folk out. Every other month, they come out with a new iPhone. I hope you ran out and got the 13 because the 15's coming out soon. You can spend that money on that. But when, when a system goes from the original to the 2.0 version, it doesn't mean they throw away the things that were working. They don't. They keep that. I want you to reset your life today. Oh, if we had time and honest people in the room, I would just go person by person uh, and, and, and just add. I, I'd, I'd start in the back with Rick and just work all the way around the room and say, is there anything in your life that's cluttering up your life that you don't want to carry over into the, the next, the 2.0 version of you. The becoming who God created you to be version of you. Because the reality is this. If you know anything about computers, if you've ever had a computer, you realize that if you don't clean them out on a regular basis, they start to run slow. You can even check. You can run diagnostic. It'll tell you what percentage of efficiency your computer is running. Uh, anybody know why they start to run slow? You got too much junk in them. You got, you got too many. You, ha, you haven't deleted your history. You haven't cleared your cache. You haven't deleted all of your cookies. You got 17 apps running in the background. Some of you are like, iPhone just don't have any battery. No phone's got a battery if you got 47 apps running in the background. If you don't constantly close those apps down right and go ahead and switch them off in the settings, your, your battery's going to die. What, what am I trying to tell you? If you keep bogging yourself down with life, you're never going to get to the version of you God wants you to be. See, this is the version that God wants us all to be. He wants us to be saved, sanctified, and excited. 
He wants us to be noising to everybody how great Jesus is. But when you're barely holding on, you don't have a praise in your mouth. When you're barely holding on, you don't have an evangelistic heart. And we've got to reset our system. I remember when uh, cell phones first came out. Some of y'all wasn't living in that life. Uh, if you're my age, you definitely lived in that life. But I remember when they first started having customer service for cell phones. One of my friends worked there. And I'm like, how do you know so much that you can just on the fly fix stuff? He said, everybody in our whole department, 100 people in cubicles, we only know two things. Because according to our bosses, two things fix 95% of all the problems. All of us first level uh, customer service reps know two things. Check to see if your caps lock is on. Because how many, how many of y'all, if you know enough about computers, you know that that'll take you in the wrong place for certain programs. And turn your system, hard power your system off, power it back on. If you call Comcast and wait 79 minutes to talk to a human being, you know what they're going to tell you to do? And here's what's hilarious. They, they want you to think it's more, more, more technical than it really is. What we want you to do, Mr. Becker, is uh, find the main plug. Not into a power strip, but the plug that plugs. Oh, i got to crawl behind my TV. Yeah, crawl behind your TV. Find the main plug that goes into the wall and unplug that for 20 seconds. With 19 seconds? Oh, no, 20 seconds. They ain't got no research on 20 seconds. But what, what, here's what they want to do. They want to shut it completely down and let it power back up. And that fixes the majority of problems in computers still to this day in 2022. Your stuff's running bad, turn, it, turn the whole thing off. TV at my house. Seth had to do this just yesterday. Something was going on. We got, you know, 27 different things running through our television. Um, uh, he's like, you just want me to turn the whole thing off, Dad? Yeah, yank that plug out and plug it back in. Came right back up, worked. When's the last time you reset your life? When's the last time you even gave yourself permission to start over again for every married person in this room you ought to start over in your marriage today for every single person in this room you ought to start over in your singlehood today for every christian in this room you ought to start over in your commitment to god today get rid of the clutter clear out the cash delete the cookies close all those apps that you don't need running in the background because here's what it does it slows you down and i'm telling you somebody who talks to people for a living People are tired. People are hurting. People are carrying too much. Carrying weight God never intended for human beings to carry. You got to give that to the Lord. What if you could just be free? What if you could just float for, for, from day to day with, with a pep in your step and a smile on your face and joy in your heart? Do you realize that would make life better for you? You can't cross over with all that clutter you got to have a 2.0 experience. To get, from, to get from mundane life to a God-filled life, you, 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 you got to do some stuff. Psalm 22.3 says God inhabits the praises of his people. If you ain't praising him, he ain't showing up. He's making an entrance into Jerusalem. They're preparing the way by doing stuff. How did you prepare your way to come to this place today? Well, I got up late, threw something on, and got here as quick as I could. Did you pray before you came? Did you sing songs to God before you came? Listen, no, because the average person that comes to church on Sunday morning expects the worship team to sing them happy and the preacher to preach them happy, and that's not our job. I've said it for years. I'm going to keep believing it. Now, we're going to try some things starting today. 
um, to make some, some 2.0 upgrades. Um, but I've said this for years, and I still mean it. The, the, the one only thing you should expect out of, out of this church is that we open up the doors when it's church coming time and we let you in without a secret handshake and a key. The fact that people like us get to come and gather together with Christian people and sing praises to the one true God and to hear his word being taught, that ought to be enough for us. But if you ain't praising him, he ain't showing up. We need to lift up our voice and praise, not just in this building. We got to make this preparation for his showing up. There's going to be a preparation for this 2.0 activity. See, I'm, I'm already thinking. Every time I do something now, I'm thinking, Lord, I lean on Seth so much. I broke my back twice and my neck once in the last 11 years. And I've, I've had my sons doing everything for me. Dina goes on vacation with us sometime. And, and she said this so many different times. I should have had sons. <laughs> no, my, my kids grab the bag. We go shopping. Uh, I, don't, I don't go in my trunk and grab up groceries. I get out of my car walk in the house. We, we go grab the groceries. I don't take nothing out of that buggy and put it up on the conveyor belt. I walk around Seth and go up to the front and get ready to pay. He got to get all that stuff on the belt. We get out to the car in the parking lot. Now I do hit the clink clink and it pop the trunk. I get in the car and turn the air conditioning on. So now every time, I, 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 like yesterday, I, I, I was thinking this morning. I didn't even tell you yet, son, because I ain't seen you. But I was thinking, when this boy, he, he turned 18 in, in uh, two weeks and graduated high school. In three weeks, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with who's gonna crawl behind the TV and unplug it? <laughs> what am I have to do? Rent a kid? <laughs> What's gonna happen? But I know this: God is calling us higher. And if you don't realize your need for a reboot, you are blind. You, you, you are like those people that Jesus talked about in the book of the Revelation. You think that you got everything you need and you don't have to do anything different. Everyone in this room needs a reboot. We all need to start over fresh. We need to let go of the things that are holding us back. Now, I told you the proper preparation to get God to show up in your situation is praising him. If we want to see him come in triumph and in glory that makes a buzz through the whole city, uh, we've got to learn how to praise him. Now, personally, let me say for me, I want God to show up more in my life. I'll be the first one to say, I'm not pinned over on Zoe 24 hours a day. Well, we need, I, that's why I was thinking about going to a different church. I need my pastor to be on Zoe all day, every day. Nobody is. There are no perfect people but Jesus. And you need to start getting comfortable admitting where you're not doing so great. That, that, that's code. That's, that's preacher speak in a, in a modern generation for where you're failing horribly and letting God down. We, we need to take honest evaluation, and we need to get to the place where we can expect God to show up. Because I'm going to tell you this, and it's just me, and I don't believe I deserve uh, uh, any they, – they, they, they tried to put a sign up on that pole. I told them. They had the sign and everything. I, I said, don't, don't, don't put no preacher's parking sign up. Anybody wants to park there can park there. Now, if you've got common sense and you know he's old, 
and he got some physical issues, you, you'll let me park there. Um, but here's the reality. If you invite me to your house and I'm coming to a party and you don't save me a parking spot and I got to park a mile and a half away and walk, I'm going to wave at you as I drive by. <laughs> it's just some preparation that needs to happen uh, when, when you really want people to show up. And we got to start preparing the table better. Anybody in this room believe you can do better for God? Y'all, everybody wants God to do better for them. Can you do better for God? Mm, I wish I had more honest people. But in my life, I want Jesus to show up more. I, I want to be the best. I, it's, it's a cliche, and it's so seldom true, but I want it to be true in my life. I literally, hear me good, I want the rest of my life to be the best of my life for God. So I got to adjust some things. I got, I got to let God make some changes in Scott Becker. I, 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 I've got to reset. I've got, I've got to get to 2.0. I, I cannot finish this journey on, on the version 1 that I started with, carrying everything that I've added to it. See, version 1 was fine by itself, but once I cluttered it up so bad, it's time just to move to version 2. And we're going to reset this church on 2.0 today. And you got a chance to be part of it if you want to. I, I want it. I want God to start showing up in this church. I want us to get to where we, we've seen it in this church. This oil didn't used to just be for decoration. People used to come and be anointed with oil and be healed from all types of diseases. We used to have people coming to the altar during praise and worship, getting saved, getting right with God, pouring their heart out before God. We used to have people happy during praise and worship, singing and praising Him in a real way. And we've got to move into a more spiritual realm if we're going to survive this next season. See, God trying to prepare you for where he wants to take you. And I want all of us to reset our lives today because we need more than what we've got. We need to unbog down our lives like these computers. So here it is, and I'm done. If you're here and you want to be here, you got to go through there. Are you following if you're over here and you want to get to over there, you got to come through this. Are you following me? I'll give you a math equation for, for, for some people that are more math-oriented. Put that first. Here we go. This, now, see, this is algebra. Some people don't like algebra, but this is technically algebra because there's an unknown variable. One, and some of y'all are going to struggle. Calculator won't help you. Unless you know the inverse principle, the calculator will help. You already got the answer. See there? One plus what equals three? One plus two. Put that up there. One plus two equals three. Could any other number fit where that two is next to that one and make three? Cannot. But too many people have been trying to get from one to three without putting two in there. You want to get to the next step in your life. Well, you say you want to get to the next step, but you're trying to jump 25 steps ahead. You can't get from one to three without two. And, 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 and there's one thing. There's, there's only one number that can get you from one to three, and it's two. And there's one thing that can get you from where you are to the abundant life, and it's praise. There's other things. It's not like the math. There's other things, too. But the big one, what we're talking about today, is praise. And so I'm going to give you, I'm not going to teach them, I'm going to read them fast, just because most people don't know what, if I asked you right now, 
except for those of y'all been around for a while and heard this teaching. How do you praise the Lord? The average person would not have a legitimate answer. The average person sitting in church could not tell me how. If, if I came to you and said, I want to learn how to do more praise, what do you do for praise? The number one answer given when I ask this question everywhere I go, how, how do you praise the Lord? Well, um, uh, well, I praise him in my heart. That is not possible because praise is a verb, and you don't do verbs in your heart. Worship is a reflection of the heart. Praise is an activity that must be done outwardly. Praise is an outward participatory event. It's a verb. And, and it's no different from what I told you before. If, if somebody came up to me, if, if somebody was new to the church, and I said, so what do you like to do? Uh, in, in, oh, fishing. I just, I just like to go fishing, preacher. Oh, fishing. What? You're talking about? I love fishing. Oh, man, fishing is what I do. I'm all about fishing. Man, I've been fishing my whole life. If they looked at me and said, oh, really? That's awesome. Maybe we can go fishing together sometime. Do you like saltwater fishing or freshwater fishing? And if I said, oh, you mean like, like with a rod and a reel and bait and, you know, like touching fish? Uh, I, 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 I fish in my heart. If, 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 if somebody came in looking like Elder Keon, oh, big old giant, monstrous, you know, I know God put him together right, but he looks like he's got legs for arms hanging off his shoulder. Somebody comes in there look, looking all swole like that, and, and I, so what do you, well, I just like to work out. I'm into fitness. And I'm, now, I'd have to be talking to them on the phone. They'd figure me out uh, if they looked at me. I'd be, well, fitness? What? Working out? Oh, man, that's my thing. That's what I do. I'm about that fitness, working out. Well, yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. Well, maybe we can work out together sometime. I go to gym. So, so uh, do you like free weights or do you like machines? And I'm like, yo, you talking about like touching stuff? I mean, you talking about like sweating? You you're talking about like actually, you know, lifting weights? No, I don't. I don't do. I I I I I lift weights in my heart. Do you know how retarded they would think I was? They'd look at me like I was insane. Same way I look at people who tell me they praise God in their heart. You cannot do a verb in your heart. It takes outward energy and activity. So in the Old Testament, which is primarily written in Hebrew, every time our English word praise is there, it comes from one of seven Hebrew words. Run through them real quick. Zamar, which means to celebrate in song and music. That's one concept of praise. Barak, which means to kneel down and bless God as an act of adoration by kneeling. That's a different uh, word. Now, that's very seldom used because that's more close to worship. If, if you looked at Zamar, that's 26 times we have the word praise in English. It's the Hebrew word Zamar. Barak is two times. Uh, the third word, Yada, which comes from the word Yah, which is the open hand, and it means to hold up your hand. Some of y'all won't lift your hands to God because you're scared that people will think, uh, oh, they went charismaniac. They're over the edge. God said lift your hands in the sanctuary. It's an acceptable form of praise. And it, uh, listen, my mom did the greatest job of any human being could have done with me in so many concepts. And one of the great things that my mom, who's sitting right there, did is she never let me ask her why. That I already knew if I started to ask why, she'd feel it coming. Don't ask me why, boy. 
You just do it because I said so. Why do you have to know why about everything when God said so? My children have never had no explanation from me about why right now it's time to get up and clean that kitchen. There never been no, can I do it after my show? Uh, why can't I do it before I go to bed? No. It's, they, they don't need to understand the particulars. They know how to do what they're told. Why do you think you have to know? You don't know everything about electricity, but you sure turn the light switch on at night when you walk into the bathroom. God said, lift your hands. That's an acceptable form of praise. Fifty-three times the English word praise is in our Old Testament. It comes from this one Hebrew word, yada, fourth word, shabak. I like this one because it fits me. To be loud, to address in a loud tone, to shout to God five times. Our English word praise comes from this Hebrew word. Now, see, some of y'all think that being loud in church is personality driven, culturally driven, racially driven. Some of y'all think that uh, you, you, you know your dignity and your level of sophistication precludes you from doing that, but that's not true at all. Because the, the best praise you can see in America, the best Shabbat you can see in America is at a sporting event when one team wins, people scores, makes a first down, whatever. People scream and shout, quiet, dignified, little old grandmothers start screaming, hollering, high-fiving fans around them. They don't even know. Why? Because their team is doing good and they are praising their team. Where's that go for God? Where, where's your excitement? Well, I just like to sit, be reverent. God, there's a time and a place for your reverence. But in praise and worship, you need to learn how to get loud for God. Best scene, you want to see me praise, and you don't go to sporting events, you don't even have to have a kid there. Next time, Middleburg High School has a graduation. Go to Middleburg High School. It might happen at other schools. I've never seen it, though. The preponderance of cowbells. And ratchets. It's just overwhelming. And every principal in every school this year will say the same thing at graduation. Uh, parents and family, guests and visitors, we would appreciate if everyone would hold their applause until the end of the ceremony so that all students can have their name heard when it's called. Do you know what that means to Bubba's 22 people that came because he's the first person to get him a high school diploma? Nothing. Because when, 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 when they go, uh, Robert James, maybe you might get a little, somebody might, you know, get over the top. for. But when they say, Billy Ray Johnson, whoa, Bubba, Bubba, and cowbells slinging, ratchets ringing, and me staring at them. Five people just had their name called, and nobody heard it. Because you glingy, glingy, glingy in a cowbell. What, what, what happened to their sophistication? Nobody was going to shut them up for cheering for Bubba. Now, Bubba, you know, B Bubba graduated with, you know, uh, a 0 0.6 GPA. And that's, that's only because, you know, one of his teacher's husbands works with his dad at the coal mine. and He bought him a case of beer to pass Bubba. But they are going to celebrate Bubba anyhow. Why? Because they love him. And you give, you give, you give the Johnson family a reason to celebrate Bubba, and they're going to show up.
where's the celebration for Jesus? Where is the Shabbat? So, some, man, we got this one people in our neighborhood, and I'm long and I got to get done. But they just wear us out. We go outside sometimes. I drove around there one time. These people have such big outdoor football. I don't know if they're Indiana or Michigan people, whatever they are. They, they, they don't miss an opportunity to scream and hoot. You know when some, you don't even watch the game. Just listen for the shout. Oh, their team scored. Most church services look more like funerals than praise and worship. Fifth word, Hallel. And this is the number one Hebrew word for our English word praise. The majority of the time you read praise in the Old Testament, it, 117 times. We just looked at one that came five times, one that came two times. 117 times is this word halal, which means to shine forth, celebrate, act foolishly, boast about, listen, to lose your mind in celebration, to rave. That's, that's, what, that's what Georgia fans do. When, when, when Georgia looks up once every 30 years and beats Florida, oh, do they do They don't stop. They'll be leaving down the parking lot still, just high-fiving strangers, screaming unintelligible, I knew you was from Georgia. You got a big, ugly red shirt on. I mean, I can't help but see you. They're going to Hallel. Why? Because they love the Bulldogs. How about them dogs? They ain't going to miss an opportunity. Why do we miss so many for God? Sixth word, Tehillah, which is Hallel in song. Oh, how I love Jesus. No, that ain't praise. That's you barely giving anything. I want you to start. Listen, if you're the only one. Why would you let a bunch of dead-hearted, half-baked Christians slow down your shout for God? We got to move past that. We got to get into version 2.0. And it's going to take some leadership from the pews. It's going to take some examples from the pews. It's going to take some people that love God enough to open their mouth and, and, and scream and, and shout to God during praise and worship. If everybody looks at you like you're crazy, you're welcome here, and we want you here. And if you do it enough and you keep being the only one to do it, I'll put you on payroll and pay you to do it. <laughs> Number seven, Tauda, six times. Tauda is from the word yada, which we've already seen, and it's the extension of hands by a group while singing. You ought to lift your hands by yourself. The altar's open at any point during the service. Some people have never been. You lift your hands anytime during the service. Some of y'all just ain't been in great churches. That's your problem. And some of it's cultural. I mean, I know because uh, I spent so much time in, in African-American church and traveling to different African-American churches across the country, and I'd be sitting next to some of my African-American pastor friends, and they'd be like, check this out. I'm going to get off the first solo shot. Y'all know what a solo shot is? That, 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 that's when nobody else screams, but he stands up and screams by himself. Well, all right now, say it, sir. You better preach. And then here's the best one. This, this, this Elder James. Just stand up and just stand there. And every now and then. So y'all ain't all been in a good church. 
And that's why you sit there with your dignity. It's not your dignity. It's the devil clouding your mind not to be excited about God and not really learn how to receive what God wants you to receive. I said Wednesday night in Bible study, uh, if you didn't grow up in a church, and it's, it's definitely more prevalent in African-American churches, but they're, they're just, there's just some things that African-Americans do better than, than other, other races of people. Um, it just is. I ain't going to expound on it because y'all all quit. But if you didn't grow up in a church with Sister Thank You Jesus, you missed out. You missed, oh, we, she was with us on Seaboard. She moved over when we were on Lane Avenue in the Sprung Building, and she's still uh, at Normandy Mall uh, in, in the big building. And just give her any excuse. Just, just, just start, just let the keyboard or the guitar hit one note. She's standing up. She don't warm her way into it. She came to praise him. And, 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 and I mean, even during the preaching, she's just liable to go through the whole service. Thank you! Thank you! Ah, Jesus! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you, God! Thank you, God! Thank you, Jesus! 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 Ah, ah, thank you, Holy Ghost! Ah, thank you! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! Thank you! Anybody ever had sister thank you? The rest of y'all ain't been in a real church. You're like, well, where's sister thank you, Jesus, in this church? Sitting down. Scared to death because your, your death has breathed death on her praise. Your stiffness has thrown a blanket on her warmth. Your refusal has caused her to think, if I love on him like I want to love on him, they'll look at me. You better let them look because God's looking. And he's seeking people. They want to worship him. He's seeking people to praise him. He deserves more praise than anybody has given him. And we can't get there carrying all this baggage. I can't get there carrying all the baggage that I've been carrying. So I'm pushing a reset button today. And what a great time to do it because tonight we're having communion. And one of the things you've got to do before you take the Lord's Supper, you've got to purge your soul. The Bible says you can't come unworthy. To receive communion. You'll get sick or die. So we're going to get a head start on tonight's invitation. And we're going we, we're to get our hearts and minds ready right now. So you got all those Old Testament words. One last verse and I'm done. I know it's late, but this is important. When the New Testament, when, when, when the, word, the word in the New Testament is primarily not even talking, praise is not even talking about the praise that's given to God. It talks about praise of men. It talks about praising different people. But the best definition of praise in the whole Bible, because if you read the Bible enough, you'll find out that the Bible defines itself. The best definition for praise in the entire Bible is in Hebrews 13, 15. And don't miss this. This is the last verse we're going to go over. By him, that's Jesus. By Jesus, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of what? Praise to God how often? Continually. What is that? That is... There's a definition coming. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. When's the last time you said all by yourself in a car, riding with nobody to hear you but God, 
Thank you, Jesus. I hear it so much, I hear people say, oh, Lord. That's blasphemy on God's name. You're taking God's name in less than a high, holy way. We, we, we got to replace. Those, those, those things that we say just reflex words that come out of our mouth. Oh, my gosh. At least you threw a SH on it because somebody slapped you for saying, oh, my God. Listen, that ain't holy. And who, who taught you to say those foul things anyway with God's name in your negative voice? We need to replace every reflex, reflex thing that comes out of our mouth with these words. Thank you, God. Or thank you, Jesus. Or thank you, Holy Ghost. You need to get a thank you spirit on you because I promise you this. God inhabits the what? He inhabits the praise of his people. If you're one of his people, you start praising him. What is praise? It's the fruit of your lips giving thanks to his name. It's simply saying thank you. You, you know, no one in this room right now other than the people in the sound booth or somebody who wrote it down could tell you all seven of those Hebrew words and definitions for what praise is. But it boils it down to this simple thing in the New Testament. It's your mouth giving thanks to God. You got to get a thank you Jesus mindset. You ought to start, you ought to write that down on a three by five card and put it on your, on your mirror when you get ready in the morning. You ought to, you, you ought to wake up and say thank you Jesus. You ought to start thanking God for everything. If you got socks that match, you ought to thank God for it. If you, if you don't have socks to put on and you got shoes, you ought to say thank you God for these. As you putting them on, if you don't fall down when you stand up in the middle of your room and put your underwear on one leg at a time and hit your head on the bedpost, you know what you ought to say? I sit down. Stop being hard to deal with. You got to get a thank you, Jesus. But here's what I want to give you an opportunity to do. And I made God a promise I wouldn't worry as much about the time today, but that I'd make it up on the other side. That's going to be part of the 2.0. I've been joking for a long time about shortening these messages up. I believe it's going to be the last long service we have that is not long because there are people on the altar. I'm going to rid this church of long sermons. If we stay two, three, four, five hours, it's going to be because the power of God is present and people are on the floor weeping and hollering out to God. Not so they can listen to me muse about my neighbor's college football team. So today, you're going to get it all. Because you got an opportunity today to reset your life. To push reset. To clear it out. Because I've told you for years, but it's time to do it. Everybody in this room is only one prayer away from being perfectly right with God. Because he said if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you. From all unrighteousness. I don't know what clutter you've been carrying that's been bogging down your operating system. But it's time for you to trade that in for a 2.0 version of who you are. I don't know what you need to stop doing. And I don't know what you need to do. Every time I phone, uh, I mean, I think they're on. Uh, I got one. I, I'm, I'm always on my phone. So I skip it every, every morning at 3 o'clock. 15 point something uh, update trying to. It lists all the things. That, it, that, it, that it's adding and the things that it's correcting. You need to get a 2.0 today on your life. There's some things that you need to add to your life, and there's some things that you need to get rid of. Because if it's cluttering, it's slowing you down, 
it's time to move on because here's the reality. Whether you live another minute or another hundred years on this life, it's going to go by quick and you only get one shot to do it. And you ought to become the 2.0 version of God's creation today. You ought to become the abundant life version of God's creation today in your relationships, in your finances, in your spirituality. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you an opportunity to see if you really believe that God is worth starting over with. Because it's okay to start over. The Bible says a righteous person falls down six times, even seven. The only way to fall down seven times is to keep getting back up. Problem is, most people fall down and they get right back up, and then they pick up everything they dropped in the fall. Should have left that down there. We're going to lay some things down and walk away from them today. We're going to push a reset button, unplug it, re reboot it from, from the Holy Ghost up, and let God have his way. Pray with me. God, thank you for your love and your goodness, God. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you're doing in my own life. And Father, I pray that you would let each Christian in this room today have a desire to move forward in you, to, to be everything that you died for us to be, to be everything that you lived for us to be, to be everything that you sent your son, your spirit, and your word for us to be. God, we're living too mundane. We're too human. We want to be more spiritual. So, God, today we look to you to reset us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.